0: The Conspiracy Podcast contains strong language, sexual situations, adult themes, and violence. Basically all the good stuff. Thanks for listening.
1: I wouldn't do to bring them
2: back. This mom is talking about the five-year-old son she brutally murdered.
1: Oh. Developing story right now with a mother under arrest after a gruesome discovery.
0: Two of her children were found dead in a freezer at a Detroit townhouse. Kay Yang is accused of putting her little baby in a microwave oven and turning on the power. The lawyers claim that Yang suffered from a seizure, blacked out, and didn't know what she had done or what
2: she was doing mother has been charged with murder tonight in the overdose death of her 11 day old baby girl hello friends and welcome back to conspiracy before we get started i would just like to give y'all an extra content warning this week I know that we do normally get into some pretty dicey topics, pardon the pun, um, but today it's going to be especially grotesque. I'm going to just throw out some extra things and subjects that you should be aware of. We'll be discussing child abuse, murder, child murder, and some pretty grotesque descriptions of these events so if you or your pals in the car don't want to listen to this we totally understand and we can just catch you on the next episode uh i guess we'll just get into it uh my name is liz
1: hello i'm your host renee what up my name's katie Twenty nine. Why does she
2: always sound like an MTV dating <laughs> show <laughs> intro? Trying to sound I was like... thinking
1: the same thing.
2: Like, <laughs> are it's you doing like... off the next bus right now?
1: That is literally what I'm doing. <laughs> I was trying to think of what that show was called. I was actually like, is she Is she about to get off of a bus?
2: <laughs> it's next. Yeah. That was my show. I, I was oh obsessed
1: with it. It was, every episode was just like dumber than the last one.
2: That's why I loved it. <laughs>
0: Those were my favorites as soon as they stepped off the bus and they were just like, nope, next. That would be me. I would say next to everybody.
2: I feel like that really would be you.
0: Just be like, no, no, no,
1: no. They'd be like,
2: why did you (laughs) even want
1: to come on the show? I'd be like, I don't know. (laughs) Bold words from somebody who saw the first scraggly indie guy in her sights (laughs) and was like, father, my children.
2: Uh, Oh, my God.
1: Are you and Sean planning on having more kids? At least one more. Yeah, if it's a boy,
0: we're gonna name him Milo, and if it's a girl, we decided on Juniper. I know. That's I know. cute.
1: I I actually love the name Juniper.
0: I just want to call her. I just want to call her Junebug. Aww. Mm-hmm. That's all. So fingers crossed, I have a girl. If not, give me another penis to throw in this house and lots of farting and burping going around. One of, our, uh. one of my new co-workers uh, found out that I did a podcast today, and she's going to start listening to us. I was oh, like, yeah, I'm so sorry ahead of time, you know, we're pretty explicit, and don't judge me for it, especially since I'm your manager.
2: <laughs> yeah, I found out um, on my quick little trip to see my mom that my brother-in-law listens Thank to, like, you. every episode.
0: Oh, geez. Oh. How's Hello, that? Dylan. Hi, Dylan. <laughs> Dylon. Hi, Dylon.
2: Yeah. But that's okay. I'm happy to have a supporter. I just feel a little judged, but it's fine.
1: <laughs> does just does the sign of the cross on himself first and then does it on you. He's like, you clearly <laughs> need this. Pretty like, much. You should be ashamed. Your mother. Look yep. at your mother. Have you had any more uh, squirrel visits? Squirrel friends?
2: No, 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 no. But I do see the same squirrel hanging out with my uh, decorative pumpkins outside of work. <laughs>
1: uh, for, you. for
2: you. I think he is waiting for me. Actually, he's
1: waiting for you for you to come out so you guys can run away together. Huh. <laughs> a Maybe squirrel. it's like B movie. It's squirrel oh, that's movie. Like, it's
2: like Skater His- Boy.
1: let's move on to something uh more heartwarming than bestiality so if you know you couldn't tell uh today's episode is about
0: mothers who i'm trying to think of like the most not polite but the not graphic way to say it and it's like mothers who murder their children still pretty fucking graphic mothers who kill their children (laughs) still graphic yes, moms who kill their own spawns that came out of them.
1: Mothers who reverse the birthing process. Here you go. So Liz and Renee are going to kind of
0: give you some gruesome stories of women who have committed this awful crime that we're speaking about today. Mm -hmm. I'm going to kind of give a little bit of some psychology on why they think mom's kill their own children. And then also just kind of, I'm going to briefly talk about, I'm not going to go into detail like Liz and Renee about women who decide to murder their children
1: because it's a lot. It's really depressing to research.
0: Yes. Well, and also have two firsthand experiences at motherhood. It's unbelievable. You don't really understand it until you're in it. And so I'm going to kind of also talk about my issues that I've had. (laughs) Not in that way, but like So there's actually a term for parents who murder their own children deliberately, and it's called filicide. All right. The term for killing a baby under the age of one is known as infanticide. So what exactly can cause a mother to murder her baby or children? Believe it or not, in a lot of cases where mothers have murdered their children, courts actually agree that the mother was suffering from depression or postpartum psychosis. Of course, there are instances where the mothers have killed their own children for selfish reasons, like for a new man or kids just get in the way of basically living their life (coughs) casey anthony
1: i'm sorry yes the worst
0: infanticide laws often reduce a mother's sentence if she is able to prove her crime was due uh, to postpartum psychosis so she was able to prove that hey like my hormones and everything being out of whack this is why i did it they would either get uh, a greatly reduced sentence, not like death or life in prison. Some of them would even get thrown out. Not, a, not all of them, though.
1: That's creepy as
0: hell. Yeah. Just to be like, I'm sorry, oh, it's just the vapors. Oh,
2: goodness <laughs> me.
0: Right. Um. So a woman would have to be evaluated by a psychologist or a doctor to be deemed basically unstable. Psychologists believe when a mother commits infanticide, she has done so because the balance of her mind is disturbed by reason of her not having fully recovered from the effect of giving birth to the child. Um, and I, that was a quote, a quote that I got from child murder by mothers patterns and prevention. It was a website that I found that it may not make sense to people who have not gone through giving birth to a child or even just someone who is not a parent, but the way your body and mind work after giving birth is a lot for a mother. uh, We as women, um, you know, women already have fluctuating hormones that rage through our bodies almost daily. And then, you know, when Satan decides to come around once a month, (laughs) just imagine how those hormones intensify during pregnancy and after childbirth. Um, Your body does go through, it goes through so many changes and so does your mind. You can, uh, you can have feelings of like euphoria, extreme happiness, joy and excitement, which is exactly what I experienced with my firstborn after I gave birth. But it can also go the opposite, where you have feelings of remorse, sadness, depression, anxiety, feeling like you're not good enough to handle this new life, which is exactly what happened to me after my second child. The amount of emotions felt after the birth of – now I'm kind of going into a little my personal backstory into why I believe women have done it, especially with the uh, postpartum psychosis and postpartum depression and anxiety and all of that because after my second was born I experienced a great deal of all of that and I've never dealt with that before in my entire life. It is the weirdest it's the weirdest thing. Um, so I expected to have those same happy euphoric feelings after giving birth to my second uh, son as I did with my oldest. So I had a C-section with my second son and Typically, when women have uh, C sections, they have a higher chance of developing postpartum depression and anxiety, which I had no idea. And oh, that's I didn't know
1: that either. That's crazy.
0: Yeah, it's yeah, it's um, it, it's crazy really to think about. Terrified because what the hell? I'm about to be cut open, and they're about to take my child out. Like, mm-hmm. Terrifying. So some things that happened after I gave birth to my second son, days after I got home from the hospital, I uh, I was crying while I was taking a shower. Um, Because I felt like I wasn't strong enough or good enough to take care of my newborn baby. Because a C-section is a bitch to recover from. And so that started my postpartum depression. Which, side note, I've never really dealt with depression and anxiety before this. So all of these feelings happening to me when I feel like I should be, like, in this, like, joyous time of, like, love and happiness and I feel dark. It was terrifying. I felt like a failure as a mother and that my baby wasn't even uh, a week old at this time. And some dark, scary thoughts did start to go through my mind. Uh, it, it, It's not like I was thinking, Oh, I want, I just want to murder my child. No, I was like, why am I here? Like I shouldn't be here. Like I wasn't thinking of harming anybody else except for myself. And my, uh, it, it it it's a lot. <laughs> I had my very first panic attack ever uh, in a grocery store because of him. And mm. so, like, it's really fucking intense. Uh, so to cope with my postpartum depression and anxiety that I was having, I started drinking heavily. And um, that's how I would help myself get through everything. And I would get drunk, want to escape from life. And... Basically, had a lot of shit happen that shouldn't have happened because of my the way that I was feeling, and this happens to a lot of mothers and a lot of these mothers who have killed their children. They have gone through 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 these, as they call it, postpartum psychosis. It's it's your mind starts to race between is this real? Is this not real? Especially from lack of sleep, uh, lack of support, lack of help going into this new role that you may have not ever been in or your new role that you're you've been in for five years because you have five kids that extra added hormonal imbalance too in your in your body and in your mind makes even women who would never even think about murdering their children start being like wait this child's crying too much shut up child i'm not in a great state of mind like i'm my it's my thoughts are cloudy and so they may pick their child up and put him in a fucking microwave. I mean, it's, it's not something that is, it's hard to understand. And not saying that these women who have murdered their children, we should they sh- should have remorse towards them. It's just, I think a majority of women who have done it have that altered state of mind of being depressed and and not knowing reality. And and that's why, I, like, throughout my research, psychologists, it's just it's hard to pinpoint exactly why it happens. So frequent too. It's not, you know it it's even even for the people who have left their children in hot cars. Like, I mean, it's the same thing where same mindset. And then people say, Well, how come a woman can be totally fine for, you know, her first three kids and then her last kid, she just loses it and murders all of them? Well, like I said, <laughs> Your hormones are fluctuating like fucking crazy with each pregnancy. It's different with each one. And mm-hmm. you don't know if you're going to come out rainbows and sunshines and pooping out butterflies. or you are going to go see Satan over in the corner? I don't know. I mean.
1: I think it doesn't help that there's, there's so much pressure on women yes. when it comes to motherhood. I think it can be smothering. Exactly. To the extent that, like, it can make you go a little crazy. I mean, it's... It-
0: there's that, and then there's the self-doubt, too, that you feel as a, as a mother, especially if you're a first-time mom or even like a second-time mom, the, the like like I said to y'all last week, the whole you know going to sleep at night and literally thinking, I didn't play with them as much as I should have today. I didn't interact with them as much as... I mean, I've, I've had these thoughts recent, and and while I'm thinking of these, I mean, I'm still not completely over my postpartum depression. I mean, my youngest is four now, but I mean, it's still there. And I have those moments where I'm like, I have my really, really hard days where I will, you know, cry at the end of the day and just tell myself that it's going to, it's a brand new day tomorrow. I can be a better parent tomorrow and I feel like I'm not doing enough. And then I do have dark thoughts. I never have dark thoughts about hurting them. It's, and I'm not like, I don't have like dark thoughts about like seriously hurting myself. But I mean, it's those thoughts where you're like, oh, maybe it'd be better if I just wasn't here. Like, not that I would do it, but, like, even escaping, driving off, going somewhere. It's, like, those parents who do it, like, how do you do it? Like, I love them so much. I can't.
1: As somebody who struggles with depression, not to make this about myself, but I understand mental health problems and I understand those intrusive thoughts and I can't imagine how much worse they Mm -hmm. would be. If I also had people like little humans in my life who depended on me to be well, you know, on top
0: of that, it's, it's also taken years for women's health to be heard and taken seriously. Um, Mm -hmm. women were sent away when they like were PMSing pretty much years ago. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's like we, they didn't, nobody wanted to take the time to actually understand it. So instead they sent women off when women Mm -hmm. give their reasonings as to why they murder their children, you can always decipher the ones who are like really, really just struggling and like having a hard time between the ones who, uh, just were doing it for selfish ass reasons. Um, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so the first lady I'm going to talk about is Mary Beth Tinning. She was one of the first women ever convicted of killing her own children. Basically she smothered her kids with, Pillows, all for sympathy. She just wanted people to feel sorry for her. Um, so she had eight kids, and she killed all eight of them. But she's only confessed to killing three of them. She um, none of her kids would live past the age of five, and oh. um, she was. She also said that during this time, she was having a rough time uh, with being a mother, but. Then they discovered that she really just wanted sympathy from people and she wanted people to just give her attention, which I guess, I don't know, could you tie that into she just needs attention? But also, why do you have to kill your kids for attention? The Mm. next mother is Wynetta Hoyt. In 1995, 49-year-old Wynetta Hoyt was convicted of killing five of her six biological children. Wow. She was sentenced to 75 years in prison. Wow. shit. Yeah. Wynetta was considered a serial killer, um, and she was actually able to get away with killing her five kids for almost 20 years. Her first, what? Yeah. Well, her first child died in January of 1965 after only being alive for 101 days. Yeah. Her other children die, that did die, uh, they didn't live past 28 months. Oh, sh. Okay, so yes, she,
1: she's snuffing him out early,
0: right? So she was actually able. The reason it took so long for her to get caught was because she was able to, um, because of the time that it was. People, this was when SIDS, you know, SIDS was really big in the uh, '60s and '70s because it yeah. started to become something that they were like, oh, well, this can happen. So they, mm-hmm. she, the doctors and the police, and I mean, well, I don't know, if she called the police, but the doctors and everybody just thought it was SIDS. And oddly enough, Mister and Missus Hoyt. Actually adopted a boy several years after the death of their last biological child, and he is alive. It's like she only – she just wanted to kill her biological children.
1: That is a weird – I know that I've heard stories of mothers who would put their biological children on the streets. Yeah. So they could take in more foster children and get that sweet foster children money. Right. Although I, I will, I've only maybe heard that story twice, but i I have not. It's that's a very weird instance because you think for the biological children she would have that connection, but Apparently it's the so. opposite. In
0: 1985, a prosecutor in the uh, New York area was contacted and given information that there's a possible serial killer in their area, and after mm. the caller, this caller had been doing research on the Hoyts children's deaths and they were the ones who kind of blew the whistle and directed them in that direction of don't just say that they died of SIDS and in 1994 Wynetta Hoyt confessed to suffocating her children what a crazy bitch (laughs) so the next one is Andrea Yates Andrea Yates uh this is a pretty well-known one it's you know within the last 20 years
2: yeah Um, this one's nuts yes
0: in June of 2000 this is one that This is why I'm saying, take care of women after they give birth, like for real. Like listen to them and what they're telling you. Like Mm -hmm. this is this story is really it's devastating. Um, So in June of 2001, Andrea drowned all five of her kids in a bathtub. She was suffering from severe postpartum depression, psychosis, and schizophrenia. Yates' depression started after the birth of her fourth son in 1999. See. She had four kids, and then she started with the depression. Doesn't always happen with the burst. <laughs> Andrea's husband, Rusty, caught his wife attempting suicide, and so she was admitted to a hospital and prescribed antidepressants. Upon being released from, from the hospital, Andrea held a knife to her throat while standing in her kitchen telling Rusty to please let her die. Oh. She was prescribed a heavy dose of antidepressant after that incident. Um, And her psychiatrist at the time made it very clear to Andrea and Rusty that they should not have any more children because this would result in Andrea having another psychotic breakdown. But they did not listen, and seven weeks later, they conceived their fifth and final child. In 2000, they welcomed their fifth child, and Andrea seemed to be doing great. But in March of 2001, Andrea's father passed away, causing her to go into another downward spiral of depression. Andrea stopped taking her medication. She stopped feeding uh, their baby. I'm assuming that she just stopped breastfeeding the baby, not like altogether stop feeding. And she began like excessively reading the Bible every day. In May of 2001, Andrea filled the bathtub with water and she actually contemplated, contemplated killing her kids on that day, but she didn't go through with it. And she uh, told her husband this. And so she was hospitalized yet again the day after that. On June 20th, 2001, Andrea was left alone with her five kids while Rusty went to work. Even though Andrea's psychiatrist advised Rusty to not leave her alone with the kids, but Rusty's mother was supposed to be coming by the house an hour after he left for work, so he thought everything would be fine. But within that hour, Andrea drowned all five of her kids. Andrea's attorney wanted to have her defense be insanity, but it was denied, and in 2002, Andrea was charged with murdering her five kids and sentenced to life in prison. Yeah. Oh. And while I was reading about this, uh, she, she when she told, like, the police what, that, like, what she did that night, that she did all of that, she said her four-year-old came into the bathroom after she had drowned one of the sisters and asked what was wrong with her and then got really scared and tried to run off, and she, like, chased him down the hall. caught him and like just thinking of that from a child's perspective is so heartbreaking like Mm -hmm. like I I can't even like I can't imagine what these these kids who who witnessed the multiple murders of their siblings
1: like that has to be yeah seeing it happening and knowing you can't do anything to stop it Exactly. oh yeah I, I mean I wish that the lady I'm covering was that had that sort of uh Questionable right reasons, but she straight up came out and said why, because she's crazy. <laughs> she's crazy, and I say that in a legitimate way, so nobody come at me for ableism. <laughs> <laughs> I can't be ableist. I take my medicines one pill at a time.
0: But that's it. I'm done. Well, that's
1: fucking terrifying, and um, further solidifies my decision not to have children. And Katie, I'm terrified that you did. If I could get them tied tomorrow like, and not have to take hormones for the next three decades, oh, oh. I would do it. It's like the only reason I haven't. Well that in. Just put a baby in there.
0: No, thank you. Just kidding, let me carry your past, baby. Past it's, its prime. I still want to these, be your
1: surrogate. Uh, these ovaries are past their prime. I might go through severe postpartum psychosis, but I'll have your baby. Probably have some during partum psychosis too. <laughs>
2: During wow!
1: It sounded good in my head. I can just see Katie like knocking on our door at 10 30 at night and rubbing her belly like the baby said it would sleep better if I slept with, the baby with you. You want to do what's best for the baby, don't you? Oh, you know me so well. Speaking of babies, let's. Oh my god, this is speaking of babies. Let's scar everyone. Scar, everybody, no matter how bad, and honestly, this goes for Liz's stories too, no matter how bad you think this is going to be, it is going to be way worse. God, I'm scared. I'll tell my sources at the end because two of them give away the story in the title. Content warning, I'm about to give some very explicit descriptions of child abuse. I literally titled my notes, oh my God, why did I do this? So yeah, get ready for kid sickles. Oh, God. A Michelle Blair story. And I am so, I understand that people can spell their names however they want. And it's honestly not your fault how your name is spelled because it's what your parents chose. <laughs> but Michelle Blair has a T in her name. Where? It's just going to be before the C.
2: Like her, her name call- is. Mitchell.
1: shell And it might be Mitchell. <laughs> Yes, that's why she's. Married. I don't know.
2: Mitch McConnell,
1: honestly, almost as evil as Mitch McConnell. Yikes! I'll say it almost. All
2: right, so I'm, I'm just
1: gonna. It might be Michelle. I'm gonna say Michelle, and honestly, she's a piece of shit. So I don't care if if I'm not pronouncing her name correctly. In 2015, neighbors knew. Michelle Blair as a loving single mother to her four kids. The kids' fathers weren't involved in their lives, and it doesn't seem like they provided any financial support. One of them was like tens of thousands of dollars behind in child support, although he apparently gave her a little money each month, and the other one just didn't contribute at all. Blair's family reported that she frequently asked them for money, especially after she became unemployed, However, by the time authorities arrived at their townhome in the lower east side of Detroit to serve an eviction notice, Blair owed two thousand two hundred and six dollars in rent. So I don't know how many months that is. I don't know what the rent for in Michigan, Detroit. Is.
2: A lot.
1: She only owed two thousand. Yeah, it was only she was only two thousand dollars behind in rent. Okay, so that's like she two months.
2: In Michigan, though. Like for reference, um, apartments in Indiana are like between four to seven hundred.
1: Okay, so she was probably like three or four months behind. Them. Damn. When the eviction crew came into the house because nobody was home, uh, the first thing they noticed is that it was an absolute disgusting mess. And you can oh, find no. some, you can find some of the photos online of what the house looked like, and it really was like filthy. Since nobody was home, they began moving the furniture out of the townhome. Uh -uh. Uh So, obviously, given the theme of this episode, we wouldn't be talking about the story if there wasn't something gruesome to be discovered. Uh However, whatever you're thinking, it's still... Absolutely horrifying and probably worse than what you're imagining. Mm -mm. So there was a deep freezer located in the living room of the home, which first of all, that is not where a deep freeze goes. (laughs) (laughs) But that is the least of their problems because when they opened it up, the first thing they saw was a frozen body of a teenage girl wrapped in a large plastic (gasps) bag. Oh my God. Naturally, they called the police. And when the police arrived... They made yet another discovery. Mm. The body of a young boy wrapped in a blanket right underneath her. And it didn't take long for police to find Michelle. One of her neighbors reported she was at another neighbor's house with two of her children, <gasps> aged 8 and 17. Her other two children, Stephen Barry, age 9, and Stony Blair, 13, were missing. <gasps> Authorities took the bodies to the morgue to let them thaw for three days so they could perform an autopsy. When they performed the autopsy, they were able to identify the children as Blair's missing children, Stephen and Stony. When police arrested her for the murder, she reportedly said, I'm sorry. And this would be the last and only time she would express remorse in regards to the murder of her children. The medical examiner ruled their deaths homicides and determined that they had been in the freezer for at least a couple of years. Oh, my God. The family had been living in that townhome for two to three years while the dead body sat in the freezer right in their living space. It's not even like it's in the garage where you can kind of ignore it. It's in your living room. So what happened? What led to this ghastly discovery? An important thing to know about this case is Michelle Blair was molested as a child by a female friend of the family. When she told her mother, her mother's only response was, it's over with. What do you want me to do about it? Blair's abuser was never brought to justice. When she began to suspect a similar event was happening in her own home, she decided she wouldn't let the same thing happen to her youngest son. Oh, my God. I, sorry it's so this is when it gets bad
2: this is when it gets bad
1: mm-hmm. this is when you find the find out the details blair said to the police she returned home one day in august of 2012 to find her son simulating sexual activity <gasps> using dolls her son her son was five or six i think five years old at the time blair asked him why are you doing that did anybody ever do this to you When he told her that his brother Stephen had, she went upstairs to confront him. Blair said he confessed, and that's when she began punching and kicking him before placing a garbage bag over his head until he lost consciousness. Oh, my God. She then told them she repeatedly poured scalding hot water on his genitals, causing his skin to peel off. (gasps) Mm -mm. And then she made him drink Windex, and wrapped a belt <gasps> around his neck, lifted him up and asked, do you like how this feels, being choked with a belt? So in, in between the time she started this and when he actually passed away two weeks later, she called the police and told them she had a friend whose older children had sexually assaulted a younger child. She wanted to know what would happen to the perpetrators. When she was told the children would simply be taken from the home by defects and not, in her eyes, sufficiently punished, she ended the conversation without giving the police any sort of identifying information. After two weeks of this torture from his own mother, Stephen succumbed to his injuries on August 30th, 2012, and Blair wrapped his body in his favorite blanket and put him in the deep freezer. Oh, my God. Nine months later, she repeated this ruthless behavior on her daughter, Stoney. Once again, Michelle believed her youngest son was being molested by one of his siblings. During the autopsy, it was found that Stoney had been hit repeatedly in the face and beaten with a two by four. Oh she had also been doused with boiling water and suffocated with a plastic bag. After Stoney died, Michelle forced her oldest daughter to help her wrap the body in plastic and put it in the freezer on top of Stephen's body. (sighs) You're probably wondering why nobody noticed in two years that these two children were missing. That would be because Michelle had pulled all four of her children out of school years earlier, and Michigan, specifically Detroit, does not require you to let the school board know that you were homeschooling your children, although they recommend it to avoid truancy charges, you don't necessarily have to. However, she said she was homeschooling all four of her children, so there weren't any teachers or anything to notice that these two children were not coming to school anymore. Oh my God. And whenever neighbors would ask where Stoney and Steven were, Michelle would tell them they were visiting their aunt or that they preferred staying inside all day because they didn't like people. Sadly, because this story just gets worse, because she homeschooled all of her kids, she was able to abuse them for years. So after she was arrested, they brought in the other two children to look for evidence of abuse, and they identified 25 scars and injuries, both old and new, on the back of the youngest child, as well as loop-shaped scars and injuries on his back and his backside consistent with being whipped by an extension cord Mm -hmm. when her yeah when her oldest daughter was brought in for questioning she told them about times her and the surviving brother had been beaten with extension cords a piece of wood and a hot curling iron when asked about the visible cut above her left eye the 17 year old told the interviewer blair struck her in the head with a two by four and that her broken front tooth was from the time her mother hit her with a curling iron. So the teen who had multiple scars from being burned with irons and whipped with the extension cords told them Blair refused any medical treatment for her children. Autopsies on her siblings' bodies confirmed that Blair had abused the deceased siblings long before killing them as numerous visible and long-lasting scars were on them. Blair was actually investigated by the state over suspicions of child abuse in 2002 and 2005, but was only recommended counseling.
2: Of course.
1: She also allegedly starved her children and repeatedly denied them food. Ironically, her great aunt was a former Detroit police child abuse investigator named Angela Gordon. When asked how she never recognized the evidence of Blair abusing her children, Gordon admitted she knew the abuse was going on for years, but never suspected Blair would take it to such extreme levels.
2: Okay, but... Abuse is an extreme level, you idiot.
1: Yeah, the first sign of abuse is the first, like, extreme level. Going as far as to beat your children, that's, like, the first sign. Gordon says she attempted to help Blair by telling her she needed to start taking care of her family. And unfortunately, all that did was offend Michelle and cause her to break off all contacts with her great aunt. And even though she never knew just how far her niece could have possibly taken the abuse, Gordon has expressed sincere remorse about the situation, saying she wishes she could have recognized the signs early on. After Blair's arrest and conviction, Angela Gordon was given custody of the two remaining children until they could be put up for adoption. The oldest daughter's father's parental rights were revoked by the court because she would receive better Uh, collegiate and mental health benefits if she was considered an orphan she could get I believe it was two free years of mental health counseling if she was considered an orphan so for that reason they revoked his parental rights that and clearly he's not a good father because he just like accepted this woman's word that he couldn't ever see his kid and never for two years never made any sort of inquiry. So the youngest son's father was granted parental rights despite being behind on child support and having two felonies on his record. Mm. Even so, the youngest son ended up being adopted and the adoption records are sealed. And the two living children of Michelle Blair have luckily been granted their privacy by the press. I literally could not find their names anywhere. Good. Um, Yeah. um, It is known they are both... Living well and thankfully thriving. So, to this day, Michelle has never expressed remorse about killing her two children. Instead, she has repeatedly referred to them as demons. And if you want, if you're like, oh man, I get so much sleep, I sleep so soundly, Mm, I just go in my bed and my head hits the pillow and I have the sweetest dreams in the world. And for some reason, I wish that would change. Please feel free to look up on YouTube, the video of her telling the judge why she killed her two children because it is honestly terrifying and I wish I had never watched it. She told the judge she did not feel any remorse over her actions. They had no remorse for what they did to my son. There was no other option. There's no excuse for rape. I would kill them again. Despite this, she has stated that she did not intend to murder Stephen, only apparently to torture and punish him. What? And I feel the need to mention... Just in case it wasn't obvious, for what it's worth, investigators have found zero evidence that the youngest son was ever sexually abused. So this was all born out of her own paranoia about her experiences that she never dealt with and her two children suffered the punishment for this because she never got counseling for this. She never got help for it. Granted, she had a traumatic experience as a child. And I don't think that should ever be overlooked, but instead of growing from it and trying to provide a better life for her children, she freaked out, believed the worst immediately, and two young children paid the price for it. Luckily, this crazy bitch will spend the rest of her life in prison for first degree and felony murder. First degree because the murder had intent and planning, obviously, felony murder because it occurred as the result of or during the commission of another crime. In this case, that crime was first degree child abuse. She told the judge she would have requested the death penalty if it had been an option in the state of Michigan. So I am honestly glad that her other two children were able to get away and live a normal life. So... Now that you know the story, my sources are I can't believe it's nonfiction, which is a really fun site. I highly recommend it. Oh, it's a really um, good one. <laughs> all that's interesting an article by Gus Burns called Surviving Children Say Detroit Mom Tortured Them for Years Before Killing and Storing Siblings in Freezer. And an article by Joe Anthony Myrick that is 15 Cold Facts About Michelle Blair, the Woman Who Left Her Kids in a Freezer. If you have someone in your life who you think might even be doing the first step in abusing their children, don't be an Angela Gordon. Please Uh get those children out of that situation because you don't know when you're going to be expressing sincere remorse because you didn't do the right thing when you had the chance. Exactly.
0: She doesn't get a pass. She, She does not get a pass at all.
1: This was one of, like, I've read some horrific shit. This is one of the most horrific things I've ever read. Yeah.
2: Well, and I'm sure it goes without saying, but, like, if you know someone or you're related to someone who, like Renee said, like, is even taking this first step, get some help. Pause this podcast. You call the non-emergency line if you're not sure, and you just let someone know.
1: In a situation like child abuse, you would really rather be safe than sorry. Mm-hmm.
2: Exactly. No police person is ever going to be like, why did you call me? This kid wasn't getting beaten to death. I'm exactly. going back to work.
1: In Henry County, they might. That's true. They might be like, why would you call me? They only swatted this kid with a, a three inch thick branch. It's not like they broke his leg.
2: It's hard to even talk about this because you feel like you're making light of it because we're talking about it even though we're not. And I don't really know how to segue this other than let me tell you about some people who microwaved their kids. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, the first time I heard about uh, one of these stories was actually on the podcast. That I think has been blacklisted, but I'm not really sure if Sword and <gasps> Scale.
1: Oh, yeah, there he's blacklisted as fuck. Wow, and happened? they have a
2: new host, so I'm okay. oh,
1: confused. okay. What happened? Well, th- probably because he's a douche.
2: Yeah, he is rough, which really sucks because his voice was so perfect. I literally listened to, I think, a 100 Sword and Scale episodes in like two weeks. What did he
0: do? That's the that's one that's in Georgia, right? No,
1: no, 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 not Payne Lindsay. Payne Lindsay is not canceled. The guy who does Sword and Scale. I can't remember his name. Mike Bidet. He's really angry, um, right? No. No?
2: Who am I thinking
1: of then? Katie, the easy answer is that he's just an asshole. Okay. He's an asshole and he continually pisses people off because he's rude as fuck.
2: The straw that broke the camel's back was Wondery f- uh, fired him because on International Women's Day, he made a misogynistic post on the podcast's instagram okay anyways so i originally heard the first story i'm gonna tell um on sword and scale and i remember looking it up like six months later because one of my friends didn't believe me that somebody could have microwaved their child oh my god. and then i found another one. Oh god i was like you're telling me that two separate people have done the scariest most grotesque most despicable thing I've ever thought of. Two of the two of you, motherfuckers. Mhm. Uh, ugh. Yeah. Two separate parts of the country. But what's interesting is they were around the same age when they did it.
1: That is creepy. I that's think that's kind of weird.
2: Because they're like totally different people, totally different scenarios, totally different like reasonings behind it. But they were the same age, which I thought was interesting. And the kids were around the same age. Um before I start, I got both of my stories from Murderpedia and also uh the Sword and Scale podcast, which I just happen to like remember every word. So I didn't go back and listen to it because fuck that guy. Fuck the bidet. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> what so, an asshole. Uh the first one I'm gonna talk about, uh the mother's name was China Arnold. She was born March twenty nineteen eighty. And she had previously been convicted of abduction in the year 2000 and forgery in the year 2002. On uh, September 8th, 2008, she was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for killing her 28-day-old daughter, Paris. Oof. Mm -mm. I decided to tell you how it ends first so you can at least know that she's rotting in jail. Before I go on, because um, buckle up, it's gonna get uh, really gross. Um, so, the infant Paris was placed in a microwave for what analysts suspect was between two to six minutes and um, died shortly after the removal.
0: The hell?
2: Right. Death occurred because the internal temperature of the child's reached well-done steak temperature.
0: Yeah. That is, that's 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 disgusting.
2: In the words of the medical examiner, Dr. Marcella Fierro, she was literally cooked.
1: Jesus Christ. That's so vicious.
2: Yeah. It's like, obviously, hurting a child is like the scariest thing I could think of. But like, killing a child is even farther than my brain can take me. Mm-hmm. And like that, like putting a baby in that situation is somewhere that my brain literally, like physically, I cannot fathom right. that. Like I don't like I can talk about it, obviously. Like I can process the data, but like thinking about that literally does not compute in my brain. It's just like the, the most disgusting thing I've ever thought about in my life.
0: It upsets me. Like that's just, oh.
2: Yeah, it's rough, so I do apologize, listeners, if you stuck around. I know it's not easy to hear, so I'm very sorry. And so my brother-in-law, I don't enjoy talking about this, so don't tell the family that I'm just like, yeah, she's talking about kids getting microwaves. <laughs> Anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, at the time of the death, uh, Arnold lived with her children and her boyfriend, Terrell Talley, in a housing complex. Prosecutors said that she had placed Paris into the microwave after an argument with Tally over the baby's paternity, and she told investigators that she was intoxicated. Mm. Arnold took Paris to the hospital the next day, where she died of her injuries. She was arrested initially, and then released due to lack of evidence. She was re-arrested November 2006.
0: Wait, lack of evidence? What lack of
2: evidence? How? I could see it, maybe, because mm-hmm. I would be willing to put money on the fact that that baby did not look anything like uh, uh, what you would typically oh. see. Oh, yeah, that's is. right.
0: Well, they they also said they she didn't suffer any external burns.
1: What? Well, yeah, of course. Do they not know how a microwave works? I mean, if, if you're pulling a
0: baby out of a microwave, she called the cops, right?
2: She took the baby to the hospital the next day.
1: That's right. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> the next day. Wow. So good. <laughs> but you have to ask,
0: how would her internal temperature get up that high? Like Exactly. The only valid thing would be putting her into something like a microwave or an oven.
2: Mm-hmm. Right. So... Well, shortly after the first trial began, Talley told the Dayton Daily News that his son told him that he pulled the baby's lifeless body out of the microwave after a neighbor's child had put the baby in there. Oh, my God. This claim then resulted in a mistrial. However, at the second trial, the mother of the boy in question established that he was not even at the housing complex when Paris died, and Arnold was again convicted of aggravated murder. I feel
1: like people need to understand that children are not reliable witnesses. Children, especially like young children, will say whatever they think you want to hear. So if he thinks he's going to get attention by claiming to know something about this, then of course he's going to say something.
2: Well, it gets So, on November 5th, 2010, the 2nd District Court of Appeals reversed her conviction, calling misconduct by prosecutors and that the court erred by not allowing material witnesses to testify in her defense. So then <laughs> she's not guilty again. And then, again, on May 13th, 2011, a jury found Arnold guilty of aggravated murder. No shit. Her attorney had sure. argued that the evidence pointed as much to Tally as it did to Arnold, but to no avail. And she has been incarcerated at the Ohio Reformatory for Women since September 11th, 2008.
1: Good. And the fact that she continued to try and get a not guilty conviction when she knew she fucking did it, she mm-hmm. knew. She's trying to get away with it.
2: Absolute bullshit. Basically, she. To sum it up, she felt like, um, you know, she had to... I don't know how it ended up the baby's fault, but the parents of Paris were arguing about who the baby's real dad was, and then that was her response. Oh, my
0: God. That's just so shitty. Like, why not get rid of the 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 boyfriend?
2: Exactly. Like, get his
0: ass out. Why? I mean, that's a woman who's sitting there saying... This child is causing problems between me and my man. I'm gonna get rid of the child. Exactly. Those women deserve no remorse at all. Hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So wait, so they were having an argument over who the baby's father was.
2: Yeah, it was all a result of a paternity argument.
1: So was her was her reasoning behind it? Like, if I kill the baby, they can't do a paternity test. I have no idea. That's so confusing.
2: It's like what Katie was talking about earlier. However, she didn't seem to show any signs of PPD um, or any mental illnesses when she was pushed. Um, It was literally just like out of anger.
1: That's just so – there's so many steps to that that just – so scary to me because
2: mm-hmm. you
1: have to do so much to like put your baby in the microwave, leave them in there, turn it on, listen, listen to, to it, it. happening. Oh. Like, oh, that's that's terrible. I hope she rots in prison. I I, I hope both of them rot in prison. Ugh. What are their addresses so I can write them and let them know what I think about their
2: actions? He is. The Ohio Reformatory for Women.
1: All right, let's write her a letter.
2: Don't think I <laughs> won't, listeners.
1: <laughs> I, I would love to do that. I would like to marshal a small army to go and tell some horrible fucking lady how horrible she is. Write all of the women featured in this episode. Mm-hmm. good God.
2: Well, and just think about like the father and like the grandparents, everyone involved. Every time they use microwave. That's got to be awful. Like, I would be a strictly toaster oven household if I was the dad.
1: Mm-hmm. I would eat nothing but cold food for the rest of my life. Ugh. Definitely going vegetarian, too.
2: No more. No more. So sorry. This is, this is the last part. This one is actually, like, the other one, of course, it's terrible and awful and sad. This one is interesting and kind of twisty. So oh. uh, this one would be about Ka Yang. Uh, So she was 34 years old. She lived in Sacramento. And on March 17, 2011, she was convicted of first-degree murder of her two-month-old daughter, Mirabelle. She was apparently having an epileptic seizure. Oh, my God. And placed her daughter in the microwave. What? Um, what? What? How? So, but it gets twistier. That's just what she initially argued. So, the baby Mirabelle suffered burns on 60% of her body and all of her internal organs. Yeah, sorry, it's just rough. Ugh. When Yang first said that she had been in the middle of a seizure, the jury immediately rejected it, and then prosecutors argued that Yang had lied to investigators about Mirabelle's death before they discovered a pacifier inside the microwave. Oh, my God. Oh, God. When she was first arrested, she had told both family members and detectives that she had been holding her daughter when she lost consciousness while working at the computer.
0: So you get up and take her to the microwave?
2: Well, hmm. just wait. So her initial story was... Um, that the mother of four said that she woke up on the ground, and found an injured Mirabelle next to a space heater. Oh my God! According to the affidavit, so when the detectives pointed out multiple inconsistencies in her story, Yang later acknowledged that she lied and said that she has a split personality.
0: Oh, uh, I'm epilec. I have epilepsy. Um, um, um. I have split personality.
2: Yeah, it's like, I put her in a microwave. No, I put her on a space heater. No, I grilled her on a space heater. I'm sorry. No, I microwaved her. Like, the aliens yeah, came yeah. and hated her. <laughs> 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 I, all... I would probably believe alien radiation over microwave radiation. Side then, note.
0: Tom DeLonge, I got you. I got your message the other night. <laughs> I know. Oh you were in my dream for a reason. Please come She's to me listening with your long right down. Now. Oh, come along!
1: Oh, my God. Only go to Katie. She's the only one who cares about it.
2: Okay. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> the baby Mirabelle was found with burns, like I said, covering 60% of her body, including ra- radiation burns inside and um, on her internal organs. mm Prosecutor said that she was in the microwave between two and a half to five and a half minutes.
0: Oh, my God.
2: The attorney, Linda Parcel, said that she had long suffered from epilepsy, but that she did not deliberately kill her daughter. There was no history of child abuse and no criminal history with her other three children. A spokesman for the family said that Yang was a gentlewoman who did not know what she was doing. However... She faces 26 years to life. Her three surviving sons are in the care of family members. We don't really know if she snapped, if it was deliberate, if she did black out, if she did lose consciousness and not know what she was doing, or if it was her split personality. I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, there's, there's too many steps. It's like, I can't think of the case off the top of my head, but there's one husband who tried to claim he killed his wife when he was sleepwalking. Oh, my God. And they were like, there's far too many steps you would have to take without waking up for this to be a viable response. Like, there's far too many things you would have to do while seizing for this to be your actual defense.
2: Exactly. What is nice is that we know that she is in prison and hopefully she will be there for the rest of her life. And I would also recommend that you write her a strongly worded letter. Mm-hmm.
1: It's times like these. You really want to like these women in particular, I would, I wish Om Shinriki it was still around. I would send them straight to the giant human microwave. Yeah, right. yeah. That is the only thing they deserve. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I'm terrified.
2: Guess I'm happy my mom didn't kill me.
0: (laughs) Yay. Thanks mom.
2: Thanks mom for not killing me. Motherhood is, I mean, like Katie said, it's one of the hardest things that anyone has ever done. People do it every day. People, I mean, there are women out there who don't have help and are obviously Mm -hmm. crying for help, aren't getting help, et cetera. So um, I would, I would like to go ahead and say we're going to leave some links in the episode description of places where you can get uh, postpartum depression support. We can also be your postpartum depression support. I've never had a child, but I have a lot of cats. Sometimes they make me depressed. Mm-hmm. So if you need any help, <laughs> I can try
1: I would say Katie would be the most help because for me, like, whenever I get upset at my dogs, I just shove them outside. <laughs> and I feel like you can't do that with kids.
0: Oh, what are you talking about? What should I do. I do. I'm like, hey, you're annoying me. Get outside. Go. Okay.
2: But really, though, in all seriousness, if you or anyone you know needs to talk to someone, we'll leave some resources for you. Um hmm This is obviously never something that anyone should resort to, but these cases are obviously the extremes, Uh, but we just like to be nice to our little humans who are going to rule the world someday, so.
1: Yep, check on your mother friends right now, I'm sure. You know, they being a mother right now I think is especially difficult because most kids are If you're, you know, Katie's homeschooling her kids, but a lot of kids are doing distance learning Mm -hmm. and that is just an additional burden on mothers who are already trying to work from home Mm -hmm. or who don't have the ability to work from home and have to figure out how they're going to take care of their kid being at home while they're at work. So check on your mom friends now, give them some love. Maybe don't offer to babysit unless, you know, you can (laughs) do that in a safe way, but, you know, It never hurts to just send somebody a DM or a text or whatever and just ask them how they're doing.
2: Drop off a hot meal at their doorstep, give them a little Starbucks gift card, you know. Liz is just making a
1: wish list right now.
2: (laughs) I'm chilling. I'm struggling. I'm not struggling. I'm blessed with a job. I'm blessed to not have any kids in this time of of life I'm in right now. So Mm -hmm. I'm fine.
0: (laughs) It's rough just hug
2: a mom somewhere if you're socially distant or virtually hug someone but what you don't want to do is freeze your kids smother your kids mm-hmm. or cook your kids it's like that Michael Jordan video where he just like looks at the camera and he's like stop get some help <laughs> <laughs> that's us right now we're Michael Jordan and y'all need to get some help <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes, now more than ever, community is important. So let's take mm-hmm. care of each other.
2: Also, Dude, don't I forget to, to vote. Each other. By the time this comes yes. out, has it? Where are we an episode behind still? We're two. So by the yeah. time this comes out, we will hopefully have a new precedent. This is just one baby step to another child size step to getting ourselves mm-hmm. somewhere where we can take care of each other. So just love yeah. each other, love yourself. Yes. That's all of the things I have to say. Love each other and love yourself. And,
1: you know, if you want to chat with us about kid related stuff or any type of stuff that you're struggling with during the quarantine or the pandemic, you know, shoot us a little email, conspiracypod at gmail.com. Follow, send us a DM on Instagram, can't talk, conspiracy podcast atl, or uh, on Twitter at the conspiracy. We are everywhere.
2: I think that's my favorite username that we have because it makes it sound so official. The Conspiracy. Like, you won't find it anywhere else.
1: The. Because it makes us, it's fun to say it like that. Yeah, like especially like
2: Barbara Walters. The Conspiracy. <laughs> uh.
1: Like, I always, um, for the rapper, I always say Megan the Stallion because it has
2: two yeah, things hmm
1: I can't say Megan the Stallion. It's Megan the Stallion.
2: Agreed. And um, I was going to say something else. Oh, in case you are, you know, looking for new things to do besides go crazy and go on walks and have existential dread, there's a new season of Great British Baking show out. (laughs) That's what I'm doing for therapy, and it's working great. Oh,
1: man. And I'm watching it, and well, semi-spoiler alert, I'm not going to say the person's name, but my personal favorite just left, and I'm very sad about it. I'm so obsessed with him. I'm so sad. you reminded, see, Liz, I really I'm upset that you never worked with not Dare Bear Darren, but...
0: Oh, uh, the other Darren.
1: Gay Darren, who is my Darren, because I've known him for, like, I have known him for like eleven years now. Holy shit! Because I knew oh, wow. him before Cat, before Cat and I started dating, he's actually the reason I ended up at the grounded croissant. But he, that particular contestant, reminds me a lot of him, and uh, it just makes me so. And he also reminds me
2: a little bit of Jace. So oh. was just, I was thinking, like, if Bilbo Baggins and Jace had a baby,
1: I think that is pretty accurate. Cause it just, it was just like very I just loved it and Cat was very annoyed because he's a little pretentious and I was like that's what I would be like if you and I had never started dating and I had never yes, chilled. Pretentious the fuck and, out.
2: and sloppy. That's you. <gasps> Did you just call me sloppy? <laughs>
1: I'm mute your microphone. <gasps> sloppy. <laughs> You've been muted. I'm just. Oh I God. would never. I would never. And Matt Lucas is not a bad host. I miss Sandy no. so much, but he is actually quite good. And it's it's good that we still have a gay on there. So and a an Noel and a Noel. Who I ev- every time I see him, I am just like more astonished that he's a straight man. Of course, Shame. not not saying that anyone of any sexuality or gender representation has to act a certain way, but. Noel Fielding is a very strange version of a cisgender or a cishet male. I agree. And
2: I love him for it. Just love yourselves.
1: Yes. And mm-hmm.
2: keep washing your hands, keep being distant, and just hang in there because we're trying to. hmm Keep making bread, because bread's always yes. keep
1: making that for it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and on that note, I uh, think we're done here. Keep making bread.
1: We'll see you next time. Happy yeah. spooky season. Yes. We'll see you. Bye, y'all. Bye. Bye. Not I would like to live.
0: I, see you, I, see
1: I just want to do
2: God's will. That's the And I
0: want you to know tonight that we are a people.